Welcome to Scanner School, session number 130. Today we're talking about trunking systems and why they have multiple sites. And exactly what does that mean to you, the Scanner Radio listener? Everything we talk about today can be found on our website, scannerschool.com slash session 120. And before we start this week's podcast, I want to thank the supporters of Scanner School. So whether you're going to scannerschool.com slash support and you're supporting us at a one-time donation by going to PayPal. Maybe you're using our Amazon links before you make a purchase on Amazon. If you're looking for new hardware, you're using our Scanner Master links. Or even if you're using Butel software, before you make that purchase, you go and use our Butel links. And our brand new eBay links if you're looking for used equipment. Your support helps keep the podcast going. I also want to thank those who help support us on Patreon. Now, Patreon is a month-over-month type of sponsorship platform. And there's three different tiers. The first tier for a buck a month, you're just help, helping to support us. And really, at the Patreon takes theirs, we're only getting pennies on a dollar, to be honest with you. At $3 a month, you're going to get the podcast delivered to you early. You get your own private podcast feed that you can actually get the podcast as soon as it's available. At the $5 level, you not only get the $3 level, but you also get squelchy stickers mailed directly to your home. Because at five dollars a month, it really equates to being about a dollar a week or a dollar per podcast is really what you're you're giving us. So again, I want to thank my Patreon supporters who are Craig Harper, Dan, Glenn Blum, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, Irvin Thibodeau, James Felling, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Mark Beebe, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Scott Vorder, Signals Everywhere, Todd Glendi, and William Arcand. Let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. My amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. And if this is your first week joining us, for class, let me say thank you. Welcome. This podcast is here to teach you everything that you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. And we are continuing our prerequisites into optimizing your scanning scanners for trunking. Last week on session 129, we talked about systems and groups. Today, we're talking about trunking sites. The systems, the sites, what it means to you and why you need to understand it. Next week, we're going to go into optimizing your Uniden scanner for trunking, reception, and the week after that, we're going to dedicate it to your Whistler folks. Okay, so before we start on this one, remember, this ties into last week's podcast. If you haven't yet listened to last week's podcast, scannerschool.com slash session 129 is where you want to go to get it. Again, if you're joining us in next week's podcast and are backtracking, Welcome. We're going to get you up to speed in just a second over here. Okay, so let's talk about trunking and how it works. We're going to back things up so that we can all be on the same page here. I don't want to leave anybody behind. So let's look at a real-life example here. A Motorola Type 2 system. We're just going to talk about one of these. How's that sound? Because they're kind of on the way out. Maybe it's a last-minute opportunity to talk about this, but... Right? They're being replaced. They're being replaced by Motorola P25 systems. Now, if you want to go back and you want to learn more about Motorola Type 2 systems, you can go into scannerschool.com slash session 10. We talk all about it. So we're not going to cover it here. You can go back and listen to what the different flavors of Motorola Type 2 trunking are. Like I said, 
We're only worried about two of them here, smart net and smart zone. All right. Type 2 SmartNet systems are the second-generation Motorola trunking systems. Now, each SmartNet system has a site and was capable of having 28 channels on that site. Now, these 28 channels would be dedicated control channels. They could be alternate control channels, and they could be voice channels. All right, But you could have a maximum of 28 channels defined per site. Systems will handle up to 65,000. 534 unique radio IDs, 4,095 talk groups, and these groups were all divisible by 16 thanks to the use of status bits. Now, again, we aren't going to dive into all the nuts and bolts here. If you want to learn more about Type 2 SmartNet systems, again, you can backtrack to Session 10 of the podcast. Now, before we continue, let's make sure we are all also on the same page on what trunking is and how it works. I don't want to lose anybody too early here. So what is trunking? Well, trunking is a way of really expanding on your radio or RF resources in a network. So let's just say you've got, again, we, we have 4,095 talk groups, right? We don't have 4,095 frequencies in use. We have up to 28. So right away, that should set off a little bit of, of something going on, right? How can you have 4,095 talk groups on only 28 channels. Well, the beauty of a trunk system is that when a user needs a voice resource, they will be given to it if one is available. And then as soon as they dekey the microphone, that voice resource goes back into the pool so that somebody else can use it. So for example, let's just say we have fire, police, medical, and OEM and buses, right? Okay. So the police Somebody in a police department keys up. Dispatcher keys up and says, the radio says, hey, I got to talk to everybody who is a member of the police department. The control channel, or what I like to say, the conductor, says, everybody who's a member of this talk group, go to frequency five. Everybody who's a member of that talk group goes to frequency five. In the meantime, the fire department's got a call, and the dispatcher comes on the air. His radio says, hey, control channel, I need to get voice channel resources here because I have an urgent message for the fire department. With that, the control operator, right, the controller, the, the composer, or the, uh, the conductor here says, okay, everybody in the fire department talk group go to channel 16. Everybody who's a member of that talk group goes to channel 16. The bus company is doing their daily runs, and they're on there keying up and down, left and right, and they're just getting assigned talk groups all over the place, right? And as soon as the police department is done talking, they dekey the microphone, that voice channel goes back into the queue, and the bus department's keying up. Well, guess what? The bus department says, hey, I need a radio resource. And the control says, well, channel five just became available, so why don't you go ahead and take that? The police department keys back up again. The, the unit that they're talking to wants to come back to dispatch. Well, channel five is now busy. That's okay. The controller knows that and says, hey, PD, you go to channel 11. And everybody that's part of the PD group goes as a group to channel 11. And this is hopping all over the trunk system. And people are shuffling all over the place with the thought that not everybody is going to be using the system at the exact same time. Now, there is a priority standard in here that public safety has got more of a priority than the busing company. But you can still get busy tones, and it does happen. So you'd have to press the microphone and wait to get a voice channel grant, then you could talk and say your thing. So again, trunking is basically... Jumping around on the voice channels that are available 
and the ability to move your entire group with you. So instead of tying up one frequency for a dispatch channel that your department's only going to use maybe for a daily radio test and maybe 10 runs a day, and then nobody else can use that frequency in the meantime, on a trunk system, those resources are constantly being cycled through everybody who needs to use them, and it makes a really efficient way of using the RF resources. Now, we're going to really show you how that's optimized in just a second or two, but I needed to bring everybody back to speed on what a smart zone system, what a smart net system is, and what trunking is so we can move forward. Okay, so now back back into the Motorola type of stuff. All right, Motorola smart zone systems. Now, see, a smart zone system is a collection of smart net systems. Now, again, a smart net system, right, is a, is a site that's got 28 channels on it, 28 frequencies rather, right, handles so many talk groups, radio IDs, yada, yada, yada. With a smart zone system, though, you can link these smart net sites together. And each smart net system that's networked has a certain limitation and a certain geographical area or a certain layer and they can be defined in any manner that the control operator needs it or the or the site admin needs it to be done. So let's take a look at radio reference, right? I think we're all pretty familiar when we go into radio reference, we look at a trunk system, you'll see a site listed or multiple sites listed. So when you're looking at sites in a Motorola Type 2 smart zone system and you see sites listed, those sites are smart nets, they all belong to the smart zone. So here's where things get really fun. And here's where we get really even more optimization on the RF resources. Smart zone networks have dynamic site assignments. So what does this mean? This means if a radio does not affiliate on a particular site, then a talk group does not need to be broadcasted on that site. Now let's repeat that one more time so I want to make sure we're clear here. Smart zone networks have dynamic site assignments. This means that if a radio does not broadcast or affiliate on a particular site, then a talk group does not need to be broadcasted on that site. What is affiliation? Affiliation means you turn the radio on, you turn the channel, your radio says to the controller, hey, I'm radio 1234 on talk group 5678. I want to talk on talk group 5678. The controller says, okay, radio 1234, you have permission to be in that talk group. I'm going to affiliate you with that talk group right now. Now, in radio ID 1234 keys up on site A to talk on talk group 5678. Guess what? If every single radio on talk group A or talk group 5678 is on site A, the only place that talk group is going to show up is on site A. It won't show up on site B, C, D, or E because no other radio in the network on talk group 5678 is on any one of those other sites. But if one of those radios happens to drive into site B and affiliates back and says, hey, I'm radio 246 and I want to be on talk group 5678, guess what? Now that talk group's going to be on site A and B because now you've got radios on both sites. That is how dynamic site assignments work. So we're going to talk more about this in just one minute. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very 
best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pages support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works, the podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. All right, so we've got a bunch of sites. Great. How do the sites know what sites are next to it? Well, we have site neighbors defined. Each site knows what its neighbor is. We'll broadcast that so that the end users' radios also know where to go if they need to get onto another site. What sites do I look for? What is the control channel? Right? This is all broadcast over the air so the end user knows how to use it. Now, again, we've talked about Motorola Type 2 SmartNet Smart Zone systems, but these same principles apply for P25 and DMR Connect Plus and any other network out there that has these kinds of networks, right? We started with a type two system because there's still plenty of them out there. Might as well talk about them, right? doesn't all need to be DMR and P25 for those of us who still use radios that aren't digital capable. So I want to make sure everybody here was included in the conversation. Okay, let's talk about how this works in my county. So my local county has an EDAC system, right? Now a really digging into the analog world here. There's only one site in radio reference called Simulcast. However, 
there are multiple transmitter locations or repeaters located throughout the county that key up at the exact same time and transmit the exact same information. Every individual repeater put together in this network is a site. Now, being that there's maybe half a dozen, maybe 10 transmitter sites all came at the same time, what do we call that? We call that simulcast. Now, again, this is ZDAX. Big deal. It's simulcast. The radio's going to handle that just fine. My neighboring county, Motorola Type 2 SmartNet Smart Zone System, has got two sites. Only one small site covers a small geographical area that's in a valley. The rest of the county is on the main county site, which is a bunch of transmitter locations, a.k.a. repeaters, that are all linked together that keep at the exact same time, a.k.a. simulcast. It's a Motorola Type 2 system. Works great simulcast on your scanner. Okay, Don't be afraid all the time because you see the word simulcast. You've got to figure out what kind of system simulcast is. Okay. My county also has a P25 system. Now, for a long time, we had two simulcast sites on this P25 system. We had a primary simulcast, which covered a majority of the county. And then we had what they called the Oyster Bay simulcast, which covered the north part of the county. And for the longest time, that's all we had on this network. It's a 500 megahertz P25 phase one system, primarily used for PD, village police, bay constables, public safety, fire marshals, and the county EMS are all in this trunk system. And yes, we have encryption on PD. Now, it doesn't really matter what site you would tune to, whether you tune to simulcast on the on the primary simulcast or the Oyster Bay simulcast. You're going to see PD on it. You're going to see the fire marshals on them. You're going to see MedCom on them, right? You're going to see that you've got activity from the Bay Constables and the public safety agency that's on there as well. But you're only going to see the, on the Oyster Bay simulcast one little tiny water authority that is using the P25 network just for their operations. And since it's a water authority, they have a very small geographical footprint. They never leave their little part of the network. So there's no reason to ever have their talk group on the primary simulcast site. So if I was looking for the, the Village of Great Neck North Water Authority, I would never hear them on primary simulcast, only on the Oyster Bay simulcast because they're a North Shore town. Now, just recently, we discovered that we had two more layers on the network. We had a 700 megahertz layer, and then an 800 megahertz layer popped up. And then, shockingly, the 700 megahertz layer was split into two. So we can consider that now 700 south, 700 north, and 800. Now, again, we're calling these based on what the defined real reference, based on where the actual frequencies are mapped out to in the FCC database. So what happens now? If we tune to them, do we hear the same talk groups that you would hear in the 500 megahertz layers? Well, the answer for right now is no. Now, let's take a guess as to why that is. If you said, because we only have 500 megahertz radios on the network right now, and nobody with a 700 radio or 800 radio has affiliated with a talk group that's also on the 500 megahertz layer, 
you win a cookie. <laughs> so that is kind of how layering works here and how sites work on a trunk system. Not every site covers and carries every talk group. So let's break this down even larger now. We talked about it on a county level. Let's go to a state level. Now, on a state level, you can have multiple repeaters join together or a single repeater in its own town, right? And let's just call each configuration here as just a site just to make it down make it easy, right? We can have groups of sites, and you can set them, set them up as zones, right? Maybe you'd have county A, county B, and county C set up as zones. Maybe the state's broken down into north, south, east, west, and central. I don't know. Maybe it's like New York, and you've got... Oof, what do we got here in New York? We've got the North Country, the Finger Lake regions, Adirondacks. You've got downstate, a million different ways, right? You can break this thing down. It gets crazy however they want to break it down. So let's just say you've got one of these square states in the U.S. or you know, a Providence up in Canada where you, they're pretty long, right? And let's just say it's north, south, east, west, and central, right? Make it nice and easy, right? So depending where you live on the state, you're going to pick up your area really strong. You may never hear another zone, right? You may, in the, in the north, you may not hear the south, or you may not hear the east or the west because you might be too far north for that, right? Just like your local PD may never transmit on another region because they're in the north part of the state. And now maybe the state police may have a radio on at each barracks and they're monitoring everybody's all the other troops in the barracks so they know what's going on across the state well then maybe you would hear all the state troopers on every single site because you have a radio affiliated with them now that would be really cool to be able to hear clear across the state and hear what's going on chances of that happening though is all based on what is being used by the users of the network and not by us, the scanner radio users. So to wrap this up, why do trunking systems have multiple sites? Well, it's to effectively use the resources that are available to them. You don't need to rebroadcast a talk group if there's no registered users affiliated with that talk group on a particular site. You are freeing up that voice channel for its local use. Could you imagine that, though? If it had a statewide system and every single talk group was on every single voice path available, you'd never have enough resources there. It would never work the way it could work. It would never work the way it works now. So again, why do we have trunking systems that have multiple sites? Remember, we have dynamic site assignments. and We have the ability to not have a talk group active unless somebody on the network, a user, an affiliated user on the network is using that talk group. So how did I do today? Remember, you can leave me feedback on the website, scannerschool.com slash session 130, where you can also find our session notes. Don't forget to join me tonight on Zello for our weekly Zello Scanner Radio Net. Again, every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, you can find out more information by going to scannerschool.com slash Zello. That's like hello, but with a Z. And for everybody else outside of the U.S., that's like hello with a Z. 
All right. Scanner School's Copyright 2020 Monitor Lion Inc. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School, where we teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. We'll catch you all next week, where we take last week's session and this week's section, we polish it up, and we figure out how to optimize our scanners for trunking. It's been a question that's been coming up a million times, and I'm finally going to answer it in a way that it deserves. I'll catch you all next week. 73, everyone.